0: imagine you're running finance for a rapidly growing company working on an acquisition that would double the size of your organization everything is going well but at some point the deal falls through you know stuff happens in business but what if you felt a small sense of relief because through the process you realized you didn't have all the right tools for success I'm Greg Thomas, and today on the Workday Podcast, we're joined by Mark Chamberlain, VP of Global Sales Operation at Avanti. He'll share what he's learned about growing through acquisitions, the importance of planning, and what it's like to spend time on both the finance and sales sides of the house. Welcome, Mark.
1: Thank you very much, Greg.
0: So glad you're here. So, so maybe just to start us off, tell the listeners a little bit more about Avanti and what you do there.
1: Yeah, so Ivanti is a software company based in Salt Lake City. They sell software into corporations to help the IT um, organization manage the infrastructure securely and efficiently. And so I've been there for 10 years. Um, for most of that time, I was in a VP of finance role responsible for traditional FP&A functions along with all of the financial activities related to M&A, and then about two years ago there was an opportunity to move over to run the global sales operations team, and so I've been doing that ever since. And they are very different, but in a lot of ways they're the exact same, so.
0: So uh, what's the scope and and size of Avanti? How big of a business are you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Avanti currently is about $450 million, about 1,800 people, um, offices in 23 countries. Um, Over the 10 years that I've been there they've grown from about 120 million to 450 million dollars with with even faster growth on the Ebitda line and a lot of that growth um, has been through acquisitions where we've either consolidated the market or we've done um, acquisitions in adjacent uh, product spaces to kind of you know, expand our portfolio and offering and really with the intent of offering a one-stop shop for IT organizations to manage their infrastructure. And I know you were
0: telling me that at the, at the point at which you guys looked at bringing on a new planning solution, company was a little bit smaller, a lot of stuff was going on. Maybe walk us through that. Yeah,
1: yeah, those were interesting days. At that time, we were really in the finance organization. It was me and two or three other people, and and we were doing the traditional thing and and essentially running almost all of our uh, planning and reporting out of Excel, uh, which is great. It's super, you know, flexible. You can do all sorts of things in it, but. Um, when we started going down this acquisition path, and, and the, the one that you referred to in, in your opening statement was the one that really, it, it frightened me, it scared me to death. And um, it made me realize that there was just no possible way to scale the business doing what we were doing. There was just no way. And. At the time, you know, when budgeting cycles would run around would, would roll around or we had to do a new forecast or something like that, we could do it. It was a heavy lift, it was kind of two or three a.m. mornings for a couple days, but, but it, it would get done, and then all of a sudden when we're staring at this massive acquisition, I realized there was just literally no possible way to uh, to move forward the way that we were doing things.
0: So that was somewhat the aha moment that yeah. the way you were planning needed to change. Absolutely. So, so where'd you go from there?
1: So we, you know, looked at all the top vendors, and including adaptive, certainly, and um, what we found, we kind of boiled it down to two or three top ones, and, and what we found w- was really interesting, that the technology seemed fairly similar. I mean, you did it in different ways, but you know, you, you, you got it done more or less the same. Um, but, but the biggest difference that I noticed was the partnership and the relationship that we had established with the different vendors as we went through that process. And, and some of them were more, you know, kind of here it is, take it or leave it. And Adaptive was very much the opposite, where um, they spent a lot of time to understand our business, not just how, as it was structured today, but where I thought it was going, in particular our focus on uh, mergers and acquisitions. And and they brought a lot of best practices to the table as well. And so it wasn't me just sitting down saying, hey, here's what I need to do. They they were also, it was a very collaborative um, effort where they said, well, hey, you know, we do this for a living and this is what we've seen, have you ever considered that? And. Um, anyway, that was, that was really the trigger point that, that caused us to go to Adaptive and five years later, here we are still and um, it's been a really good relationship and they've, um, I, I, can't, I can't emphasize enough how many times they've jumped in to, to help us out on a moment's notice. It's, it's been a really good partnership. So let's come back to the partnership in a minute, but let, let, me, let me back you up a little bit. So before
0: you saw that you needed a change, I think when we were talking before we started rolling tape, that, you know, you guys were doing pretty well in Excel. It wasn't maybe the the world's, you know, happiest rainbows and unicorns kind of situation, <laughs> but, but as you put it to me before said, you know, it's doing a good enough job. Yeah. So what, did you need to be able to do from a planning perspective, from sort of looking at the, the business and, and partnering with the rest of the organization that, that you just couldn't do where you were?
1: There there were a lot of things. There, So the way that we were doing planning at the time was we had these Excel workbooks, right? And they had different tabs for people and, you know, non-people expenses. And there were all sorts of assumptions and formulas built into the background. And and it worked. It worked fine, actually. And you know, we were running, you know, all, all, all the way around the world. Um, but when you w- what you would find is when you consolidated all those files back together, um, there's a lot of smart people out there, and they would find ways to manipulate the file, even though it's locked down, or change formulas or whatever, and not not with bad intent, but just to reflect their business better. And so, um, when you consolidated all of that, um, you didn't you didn't really know what you were looking at. Um, you couldn't be confident in the numbers. Um, so that was one thing. Another thing was, um, this was also during a period of pretty significant foreign exchange fluctuation. And um, so the CFO would come to me and he'd say, hey Mark, what if, the, you know, what if the British pound goes to this? Or what if the euro goes to that? Um, can you push that all the way through the PL? bookings, revenue, expenses, everything, and I need to understand what the, the impact to, um, is on EBITDA. And That's all possible, that's all possible in, in, in Excel, but but the answer was always, yeah, um, I'll, I'll get it to you tomorrow morning, can you give me till noon? And then literally I'd work, you know, sometimes all night to do that and make sure that everything was tying out and you know these were things that were going to go to the board and they were going to, you know, our, our budget and everybody's bonuses and stock vesting, everything was going to be based on this. And, and, uh, so you could do it, but it was just, it, it had a high dependency on people. And, and anytime you have that, um, there's, there's a much higher error rate. I you're also asking people to put in yeah.
0: extra time all the time. Yeah, right? People are usually willing to put in that extra effort yeah. when they need to, but if you're burning the candle at both ends yeah. day in, day out, that's a rough place for a team.
1: To yeah. Be. You can't sprint
0: a marathon for sure. So <laughs> let me come back to that partnership angle that, that you brought up, um, you know, I, I think about cloud software in particular. It's software as a service. You're not buying a box and installing the software. So when you think about how you want to be able to work and, and what's important to you, like how does partnership and that ongoing relationship, how does that play into your thought process? Yeah,
1: that was critical and 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 no disrespect intended here, right? But, I think the the process in the industry is moving towards functions like finance wanting to kind of own their applications, right? And not necessarily be dependent on the IT organization. Not not that they're not highly capable, but you just don't like to be put in a queue, right? When you have something that needs to be done, and it's important to you, you don't want it to be prioritized, you want it to be done. And so um, that was one of the really important um, factors that we looked at when we were doing our evaluations. We needed, we needed something that would be Powerful enough to do what we needed to do, um, but we needed the front end to be simple enough that not not just we could use it, but you know, non-financial um, budget managers throughout the company could also use it, and. Um so that partnership was important, right? Because when you start to go down that path, you are occasionally going to run into technical issues that that I, as a financial professional, I'm not capable or competent to solve those. And so, you you do need to have a strong partnership, somebody that you can rely on to jump in and help you know help you improve um, situations when they kind of don't work out the way that you want them to.
0: And you talked about a little bit there about uh, involving kind of other parts of the business in that planning process. So how? How does that look today? As you look across the company, I know you switch roles. Yeah, but um, have have you been successful in devolving a bit of that planning responsibility out to those different lines of business?
1: Absolutely. And- the thing I didn't, the thing I didn't appreciate in the moment was that I was very hesitant to um, delegate certain tasks because when when we were using Excel, because. Um, it was just such a sensitive model. Things could break very easily, right? And when you're using a a planning tool, you can lock down assumptions, right? And so you can delegate things without worrying that that things are going to change. And you know exactly what assumptions are are being baked into the numbers that you're looking at. And so that was a a very nice change in my lifestyle and and unexpected, quite frankly. I didn't didn't appreciate that at the time.
0: I like the way you put it earlier. People don't have bad intentions, but you know, if there's something that that somebody can knock off the shelf, it's probably accidentally going to get knocked off the shelf at some point. That's right. right. And yep. then you have to say, how many, how many how many dishes did we have up there before? <laughs> I don't right. know. If it's. Yeah, that's a that's a huge benefit to not have to worry yeah. about uh, those inadvertent yeah that's unexpected right. changes. Um, so then you you know you switched roles. You're you're on the sales ops side. Um, I think you've now adopted a a different methodology for doing sales planning as well so what is what does that look
1: like yeah we have so adaptive actually um came out with a, a new module um kind of mid to the end of last year for sales and quota planning and um uh, that is, in our planning process, that's really kind of the front end, right? We have to understand the product roadmap and then after you understand the product, product roadmap, you have to kind of assess what the sales team can sell. And there's a lot of variables that go into that, right? There's, there's different productivity um, outputs that you're going to get with a rep in, you know, one geography versus another geography, selling one product versus another product. Um, They have very different cost structures. Um, There's different uh, assumptions in how quickly one type of rep can ramp to full productivity versus another one. And all of that was, again, being done in Excel. And, um, uh, and, And it worked, but it just consumes all of your time. And so you don't have a lot of time left over to... Um, analyze and understand and build a narrative around you know how best to structure the business because you're you know during during the heat of the budgeting cycle you're turning your budgets you know a couple times a week and um, and so you just need that ability to to be really flexible and so you know again adapt has been super responsive they've come in with a lot of best practices a lot of things in fact one of the one of the probably the very best. Um, pieces of advice that, that I got from Adaptive after they spent a bunch of time to understand our revenue model and our bookings model and our whole quota p- planning process was, um, you know, and they were gently, they were gentle about this, but they said, Hey, Mark, have you ever thought about simplifying your model? And, and I explained to them all the reasons why, yes, I thought about that, but I couldn't do that because you lose, you know, a lot of precision. And, and they just kind of walked me through and helped me understand that you, you might lose a little bit of precision, but it's probably not material. Um, in relation to the amount of effort that you're putting in to get that. And and sure enough, that that turned out to be true. And so we were able to simplify our models. I would probably say it's 25% as complex as it used to be. And, and then when you start to kind of That's automate, yeah, it's huge, huge productivity, and it was wasted effort, right? I mean, it didn't feel like it, but when, after we went through the process and we stepped back, we realized that, you know what, we're essentially getting the exact same answer in a fraction of the time, and then when you take that simpler model and you automate it, then you even have you know, greater productivity in the, and the real benefit to this isn't that we're going home, you know, early every day, but you just you have time to now understand the business and figure out how to optimize it, whereas before you were just trying to roll the numbers up and be able to report it. So Yeah, I
0: think sometimes what people really want is time back to think. Yeah. Right? To work on strategy, to, to plan. That's and right. When you when you get rid of some of that menial work that, that really helps with that. Yeah. Um, so I want to I shift gears uh, here a little bit. So you've had an interesting path. You, you know, you were in finance, now you're in sales. Um, not sure which side of that fence is the dark side <laughs> and which side is not. Depends on who you ask. Probably <laughs> so. Um, but Todd, that's an interesting perspective. How do you think being, having a foot at least in some point of your career in each of those camps has, has informed your perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what you find in those two different disciplines is the same, I think, that what you find in life generally, is that one side of the story is rarely complete. And uh, that's true in life, it's true in business, it's true in sales and finance. And, and uh, so kind of having that different perspective um, helps me step back when there's conflict and be able to understand and appreciate both sides and really work through the issues in a way that usually you can find a solution that is acceptable to both sides, but you just have to appreciate where both sides are coming from in order to get to that, to that s- spot.
0: You can probably help your sales team understand the perspective of the finance yeah, person. And absolutely. Vice
1: person. And and that's it, right? I mean the sales guys, it's you know, they feel like the finance guys are trying to make it difficult to do business, and and, and the finance guys feel like the sales guys are trying to hide things from them and all that, right? And and it, it you just kind of have to help both sides understand that no, here's the perspective from the finance side, and this is the way that we grow the business financially. This is the way that we continue to do acquisitions is by producing financial results, and and you help this the the sale the, the finance. Finance guys understand that deals aren't always structured the way that you think. And as a leader of, of, of organizations, what
0: what have you taken away from that that, that, that informs the way that you, you lead your team now, and, and maybe coach even some of the folks who are still on that finance side? Of
1: yeah, that? and I still have uh, significant involvement on the finance side as well. And the way that I the, the way that I approach it, and 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 really strongly encourage my team to to look at this as well as you just you need to be transparent and and you need to just communicate openly and and you need to trust the other side and um, and as you do that you you usually get to the same place that you would have anyway but you get there a lot faster. Um, because there's not as much, you know, discovery and digging, you know, by both parties trying to find out what the real intent is. It, it's kind of a compounding effect because you build trust and then the next decision goes even faster and faster and faster. So.
0: Yeah, our, our listeners can, can hear some of the background noise. We're here at Workday Rising and there's been a lot of talk about, about culture and that notion of a, of a high trust environment and that when people have that trust, it unlocks a lot of Latent potential, people are willing to, to, to go the extra mile, and, and, and that's what you're just describing. That's right, yeah. Um, so, what does your world look like today in, in kind of the, the, the land of active, active planning? You're, you're still probably doing similar things. Yes. Uh, but maybe you're spending your time differently, maybe the relationships are different. How would you, how would you sort of walk through that?
1: We're spending our time on more strategic, um, topics um, that move the business forward and there's a lot less of the, the swinging pendulum, right? Where you try this, it didn't work and you swing it all the way back and you try that and it didn't work and, you know, over five year period, you finally get to the right answer, so.
0: And what you didn't describe in there are some of the things that you, you might hear in a in another conversation about this. Well, we we argued about the data. Yeah. We argued about who kind of had the right perspective. Like you start from that position of, we all believe the numbers. We yeah. believe the, the reality that we're looking at and then you yeah. can move on
1: from there. And that's right. And actually that's one thing that did uh, that I did notice when I came over to the sales side, even though we're using adaptive throughout the company, there were still, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it when I was in finance. Those conversations were kind of still happening in the sales side. And, and and so I was able to go in and say, Hey, no, look, these are the numbers, right? We need to, we need to fix back to adaptive because that goes all back to our core ERP and everything ties back. And so if we think that the numbers are misrepresenting the business, then that's a different conversation. We need to be able to explain why. So when you look to the future,
0: what are you, what are you most excited about in terms of you know what you see the possibilities for in your role, for the company overall, as, as, as you just embrace more and more of this, this yeah. way of thinking about the world.
1: Yeah, so I love change, um, it, which sounds you don't funny. don't that often. Yeah, yeah, which sounds funny because I've been with Ivanti for 10 years now, but the, <laughs> the, 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 the change has happened within the company where we're constantly doing acquisitions and, and that always gets me fired up. I, I always get excited about that because it's a new challenge. Um, I see uh, a, a, a lot of these planning technologies starting to come together. And um, things that were really frustrating in the past are becoming uh, more systematized. Um, Just as one example, um, our CFO used to spend hours and hours every single week just trying to reconcile headcount. And and that was after the finance department made their best attempt. And and that kind of um, relationships with the data, that should be automated. And and what you see is the the top uh, industry players starting to move towards a consolidation, um, bringing all of those different data elements together. And so it's it's exciting, it opens up a whole new world for people in finance where they have time to spend, more and more time to spend on more strategic opportunities.
0: So let's bring it home for the listener. So if someone's listening and thinking, I want to live in that world, (laughs) what advice would you give people to to embrace this this this
1: world. I would say number 1 acknowledge that yeah it's scary. Change can be scary and uh, moving from something that you're comfortable in terms of reporting or anal- analyzing or modeling or whatever to a to a different system that is a scary thing but um, the reality is after you make that leap um, your life is going to be much better and you're going to become a lot more strategic to the business um, the one piece of advice that I would that I would offer is that choose your partner carefully and the technology is critical um, but so is that partnership and their focus on the customer and really understanding your business
0: Good advice um, well that's all the time we have for today I want to thank Mark Chamberlain for visiting us at the workday podcast. Um, I'm Greg Thomas. Thanks for listening. If you've liked what you heard, please subscribe. Thank you.